We're loading to go live. You just bear with me for a moment. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Chat Channel. My name is Tim Hayden, and I'll be your host. We have a dynamite show for you today. Our guest is the beautiful and talented Kathy Garber. Kathy's an actress, producer, and author. She has starred in many television, film, and stage productions, such as This Is Alice, The Ten Commandments, The Patty Duke Show, The Princess Diaries, and more. But she's most known for her role as Sissy Patterson Davis in the hit show Family Affair, which aired from 1966 to 1971. Kathy's also authored four books. Please welcome Kathy to the show. Welcome to the show, Kathy. How are you? I'm terrific, Tim. How are you doing? Doing great. It's such a pleasure to have you here. I just want to say thank you so much because I am such a fan. Well, I am so excited to find out that you are from Owensboro. <laughs> yes. I did a play there, a brand new play. Actually, I, I just pulled it off my shelf. Absolutely did. Oh, but wow. We're, we're both very much alive. It was written by Michael uh, uh, Walker, but um, my husband was played by Kelly, who is with Theater Works there. So anyway, yes. it was a great experience to be in Owensboro, I must tell you. Yes, our little theater that we have here is called Theater Workshop of Owensboro. Not the one that you performed at, but uh, the ones that we have local performers. And uh, recently they have been moved into an old movie theater and they converted into a full-on theater which is really cool. Nice, because I did mine at the River Park Center, which was really good. And it was part of a murder mystery festival. I love murder mysteries. And so when I first saw the script, I said, oh yes, I, I have to do this. And oh. I was so glad I did. I really got to, to know the feelings of, of Owensboro and where Johnny Depp was born. Oh my gosh. He even came to, to visit, although I didn't, I didn't meet him uh, while he was there. Yes, when he when usually when he comes, he doesn't tell anybody. And if he does photos with people, you know, just normal everyday people, he asks them to post it after he's left because he doesn't want all of the, you know, all the hoopla and all those people. Yes, yeah. right. But he's very kind. He is so kind when he does come into town. He's very kind. Mm -hmm. His dad lives here, actually. Uh huh. He still lives yeah. here. Well, the wardrobe lady was a good friend of, of his, and that's how I knew that he was in town. And, but we were so busy that we didn't even have time because we were rehearsing and we had to get the play up. But it's a lovely place from where you were from, Owensboro, Kentucky. Thank you very much. And they're improving it here all the time. We're just, I, I, don't, I hate to say a small town, I say about a medium town, you know, about 120,000 people, but we're spread out. It's, it's a nice little town. When I was there, they were doing a lot of construction at the River Park, and now I, I hear it's just absolutely beautiful. Yes, they they took the whole riverbank. Uh, there used to be a small little park and other little things, but they took it and revamped everything. There's a huge child's play. There's During the summer, we have what they call Friday After Five. There's like six different stages set up within a half a mile that you can just walk from stage to stage, listen to and, 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 you know, different food trucks. It's really neat they do that during the summer here since they've I'm going to have to come back and see it. I do a 
um, for Christmas, I do a staged reading of um, A Christmas Memory by Truman Capote and a, a meet and grade. And it's such a it's such an interesting, wonderful, well-written. I have a whole PowerPoint behind me that shows the scenes from this particular book that oh, cool. that uh, uh, had the, the pictures to go along with Truman Capote's words. But I'll, I'll have to see about arranging that. That Absolutely. would be great to come back, yeah. And I will make sure to be there this time. I didn't know you were here previously, but I will make sure to be there on this one for sure. Great. Okay. Well, uh, let me just ask you, what was it like for you growing up in California in the beginning? Well, it was great. Um, I am the youngest of four children, and my siblings were all born in Oklahoma City. So um, there came that time of the Dust Bowl, and everybody was kind of getting out of Dodge. So yes. my father was working with the government, and there weren't any uh, jobs at that time. That was just really at the tail end of the Depression, and so he got a job at the um, shipyards in Long Beach, but he was an architect by profession and he had uh, made plans for and built like some churches in, in Oklahoma and, and other buildings, but he worked at the shipyards and that was in Long Beach. So I was born in Long Beach, California. Wow, that's very cool. Um, not to have you and Marie Cheatham come on sometime. She's from Oklahoma. And Who is about, that? I didn't hear you. Marie Cheatham. Ah. Yeah, uh, I do a show. I've been doing a segment called uh, Maturing Famously, where I have mature actors come and talk about what it was like. So maybe I'll have you and Marie come on sometime because you are both from that area, or your families are anyway, and the same time frame, I would say. Right. I'm probably much younger than she. Um, she just turned 82. Yeah, you see, give me a break, Tim. <laughs> well, she's proud of her age. She's been on a couple of times. She's a very good friend of the shows. Uh, and she's proud of her age. She doesn't mind the word old because we discussed it in different things, you know, in that segment. We, I learned a lot. I learned a lot. Well, I like to think of myself as a seasoned citizen. And that's yes. that's the way because I'm I'm way I'm not up to eighty yet. <laughs> right. I got a lot of living to yes, do. You, yes, you do, and you have had such an amazing career. And I'm, I'm just I can only scratch the surface during this episode. Uh, I mean, because like I believe you started at age three. Is that true? <laughs> yes, that is true. Wow, I was a Meglin kitty, and Ethel Meglin was the owner of the studio. And this is where Shirley Temple was discovered. Okay. And so everybody in Hollywood, uh, we had moved from Long Beach to Baldwin Hills by that time. And we were half an hour away from Hollywood and half an hour away from the studio. So uh, that's where I learned to sing and dance, uh, tap dance and ballet and uh, dramatics, even when I was a, a, a child. Wow, that's so cool. That's very cool. I mean, just to be, you know, included in that, school that, that somebody oh, like right yeah the, the studio sure um, my mother of course thought I was going to be the next Shirley Temple didn't every mother's in Hollywood and I had my hair in little ringlets all over <laughs> and uh but it was it was lots of fun I wasn't the next Shirley Temple but I was the original Kathy Garber absolutely and, and, <laughs> and and we wouldn't want it any other way thank you if your mother hadn't uh had not figured out what she was wanting you to do 
do you think that you'd be acting or doing something else? Because I know your mother was a big part of that early on, you know, getting you into those classes and stuff. Well, I think lots of people don't know what they, they want to do when they're children or whatever. When uh, I think I was in college, I what I wanted to be was a microbiologist. Oh, and that's cool. I uh, I always had a curiosity about why we're here, what is, what's going on here, what are cells, how did we change from an amoeba to a paramecium and, a, you know, many, many celled creature that climbed out of, you know, the waters and, and grew legs and evolved and did all that. So that always fascinated me. But I majored in speech, not in theater arts, and my mother encouraged that. I says, oh, you need some insurance just, just in case you don't stay in, in acting. I said, thank you for the confidence, mother. <laughs> <laughs> but I majored in the liberal arts, I majored in speech, and then a minor in psychology. And then I went on to get a master's degree in theater arts. That is incredible. Well, I asked that because, like, my father, I grew up on a farm. He owns an electric company. And, you know, of course... We were raised, we were made to work on the farm, work on the electric company, which I didn't particularly like. And, you know, when you're forced to do something like that, you kind of sometimes don't like it. That's why I was kind of asking that because. Well, I, I look, you know, at my senior seasoned citizen age, I look back and I'm so grateful for my education and what my mother taught me. There are things all the time that I am still utilizing like when I'm making out a checkbook and I remember the seventh grade, how, how we had a special class in life living tips, how yeah. to make out a check, you know, how to balance budgets, how to do business. And I said, I'm so glad that I had that. I had my mother taught me about business and now what are you going to do with the money? You save your money and help me buy. And my brother, we bought a house together for real estate. So I, uh, I, I valued uh, you know, all, all of those things. And even doing simple things like trying to hang a picture and figuring out the angle and this isosceles triangle, it, it brings me back to my math. So <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm a big advocate of education. For sure. And, and I was like, my son, you know, growing up, he wanted, everybody wants to be different things all the time. But at one point he wanted to be a wrestler. I mean, he was really, uh -huh. truly committed to wanting to be a wrestler. I'm like, did want to discourage you. So I was like, okay, TJ, that's fine, but you need to go to school and have a plan, a fallback plan, just in case, because you might get hurt in the ring. You just never know. I mean, unfortunately, he didn't go through wrestling. You know, he might be pretty good at it, but. What did know, he end up doing? And what are you doing besides hosting this, this lovely show? I, uh, I myself, I uh, helped start a nonprofit organization called Necrotizing Fasciitis Foundation, which Necrotizing Fasciitis is also known as the flesh-eating bacteria. Oh, yes, I've heard of that. I, I survived that in 2006. Wow. There's not a lot of study and research, or, and definitely not any aftercare research. So we developed a support group, and from there we developed a, a nonprofit because the only way, uh, the main way to save somebody's life from that is uh, awareness. Because, hmm. you know, doctors go their whole career and never see it. Most doctors. How, how did you get it? And and what did you do and why did you survive? Um, I had a little superficial scratch that didn't even bleed on my knuckle here. Just, just a scratch. And I guess it entered through there. And it's not like everybody can get it. The reason that caused my, the bacteria that caused mine was strep A, which causes strep throat 
when mm-hmm. we all carry it on our bodies every day. But it has to be a combination of a terrible storm. You know, your immune system's got to be compromised at that point, and the bacteria's got to just get in there and interact just right. And uh, that's that's it's a rare condition. Uh, about two hundred thousand uh, Americans a year are struck with it. And to remember that it was spreading at at one time. Yes. And well, with mine, I didn't know I had it. I just felt like I had a, and that's why most people die from misdiagnosis because I thought I just had the flu. Just thought I had a terrible case of the flu, went to the hospital and even the ER doctor was like, okay, we're going to send you for this, this, this test. And just happened to be a infectious disease doctor on staff that day. And he came through and he looked and he said, oh no, I know what that is. Take him right to the OR right now. Oh, good. So they caught mine really early. I was very blessed. Unlike others, you know, uh, survivors in my group, they've had it on their face. Uh, I mean, you get it in any part of your body. Hmm. Uh, foreigner's gangrene is a familiar uh, case of NF, necrotizing fasciitis. Hmm. It's just that it's in the perineal area. But enough about me. I want to talk about you. <laughs> I love you. I know enough about me. <laughs> um, do you remember what your first job was as far as on camera? The first thing I did was The Night of the Hunter, which was a movie uh, that starred Shelley Winters and Robert Mitchum and Lillian Gish, Peter Graves, Billy Chapin. I mean, it really had a fabulous cast. And uh, it was directed by Charles Lawton, which was his first and last picture that he ever directed because the movie got such awful reviews. And the reason that it got such bad reviews was because it was so ahead of its time. It was a whole different kind of movie that anyone had ever seen before. It was in black and white and, and utilized German expressionism. And uh, But the music was so haunting. It has since become one of, uh, it's, a, it's a movie that's studied in colleges and universities and lauded as one of the best uh, horror movies that was ever made. It was a psychological thriller more than a horror movie per se. But uh, that was my entree into uh, the entertainment world. I love that you worked with Sally, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Shelly Winters. I'm a huge fan of hers too, as well. She was great. She, she was terrific. And she wrote a, a wonderful book that I read like after the fact about her whole experience in in Hollywood and and knowing Marilyn Monroe and it was it was very it was fascinating, right? Uh, I mean, I you know Poseidon and other things that she was in. I, I remember a lot of the shows that she was in. Yeah, she was she was a terrific actress. Um, my the second book that I've written five books. So the second book that I wrote was uh, Surviving Sissy, My Family yes. Affair of Life in Hollywood, and I devote about two chapters to the night of the hunter just because it was a such it was so significant in my life but it also embraced so many other cultural things that that happened and it's uh i was i was at uh byu at university brigham young university and i was there and i was making a speech to them and uh and their film department their theater department i was a special guest and then um, the question was, what was your first movie? And I said, Night of the Hunter. But how many of you have heard of Night of the Hunter? Almost every single uh, hand went up. Because as I say, it is a movie that that studied in the colleges and university. And they just brought out this uh, year a documentary 
uh, about it because it's uh, being released on uh, a DVD that's even better than Blu-ray. I don't know, it's better than Blu-ray, but you know, this this brand new kind of technology that really makes it sharp and you can hear it. Right. Because I'd say one more thing because the cinematography really is so beautiful and the music is quite haunting, but the cinematography is fabulous. I will have to catch that. I, I do. I will admit, sadly, I have not seen it. I'm not one of these that's going to come in and say, yeah, I saw it. <laughs> so. yeah. Well, you can find it. I'm sure you can find it online for free, you know, so in Google it because it was over <clears throat> 50 years ago. But I was a small child then. Well, you also, as a small child, you worked with the great Cecil B. DeMille. Do you remember auditioning for that role in The Ten Commandments? Well, I actually never auditioned. Really? I, uh, after the movie, I... Uh, had an agent. My mother got me an agent. And then I think I did an episode of Armis Brooks. And then my agent sent me over to Paramount, you know, just to be an extra. So I didn't audition for that, you know, as a little kid. And I went to the makeup and got the robes and all of that. And I was doing my, my first scene, holding a little lamb. I was up on a big wagon and we were, this was during the exodus. And so the slaves, I was a slave. We were leaving, um, we were leaving town again. And uh, all of a sudden I heard this big voice call out, don't let that little girl's face get in the camera. And I said, what, is, is he talking to me? And I looked up and I said, is he God? <laughs> there was Cecil B. DeMille up on this great big crane. And he was uh, taking a, an overall view of, of the whole scene. So. He, uh, the associate director came up and they kind of hid me behind a blanket and I did the scene. And then afterwards, I saw God descending, a, cinema, a cinematic deity. He came down and then the director got me off the wagon. And so we chatted and we talked and, uh, and I said, oh, okay, I guess that's what happens in, in movies. And the associate director came up to my mom and he said, well, I think your daughter's going to be on this movie a lot longer. So he wrote scenes into the movie with me and Charlton Heston. And indeed, I was on that uh, and the movie for about six weeks. And there was like a week that I, um, I wasn't in any of the scenes. They still paid me. My mother thought, well, that's very nice of them. But it was really a fabulous experience. So I didn't audition. I was just kind of picked. Well, that's such an amazing movie because, I mean, I think it's probably one of the only ones that they still play every year on TV. Yes, and they have colorized it and they've it brought it up to um, a, a different kind of uh, quality that wasn't available, you know, right. back then. But you still see some of these special effects that are so uh, daunting and, and great and instead of green screen, I mean, they were using jello <laughs> to to simulate like the water going back and forth. And so it was it was so clever and so well done. They tried to remake it. And that, of course, is a flop. But uh, you yeah. couldn't remake it that at the time yeah. and, and everything. Yeah, it's played every Easter. Even today, there's no way they could remake that. There's no. just, I mean, there that was such an impactful movie. So did you know at such a young age, I mean who like Cecil B. DeMille was or or who uh, Charlton Heston was? No clue. I didn't think so. Your mom probably did, though. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Yes, yes, I'm sure. All I know is I'm sitting on this paper mache mountain rock in this 
great big figure in flowing robes comes up to me. Well, I didn't know who he was, but he was very impressive to me just as an actor. You know, I was already a child actor. So I was, oh, yes, I'm. And he asked me if I'm afraid. And I said, no, but Rebecca is, which is my daughter's couple scenes before to to explain her. But no, I didn't know. I got to know him later. And he was really a, a wonderful, uh, wonderful man. Yeah, I think there's probably only two people that I would be deathly in, intimidated by, and that would be um, probably Charlton Heston and, um, oh, I can't even think of his name. He was Dr. Zhivago. My brain slips me right now. I, but, I don't know exactly who you're, you're talking about, but, but uh, Charlton Heston uh, was a, a very, you know, Intimidating, but really down to earth. I was dating uh, some Michael Dante actually at the time, and he would play tennis up with uh, Charlton Heston. He lived in uh, Hollywood, Hollywood Hills, up on Mulholland. And I'd sit in with his wife, and you know, with lemonade, and would watch him play tennis. But he was like um, not regular folk. I, I just don't think Charlton Heston knew how to be a regular folk, but I mean, right. he always had this, you know, really wonderful presence. He seems to be. I remember him in a lot of shows. I mean, I think one of the last ones he was in was um, the Kobe's, wasn't it? Oh, could be. Yes. It was one of the last ones he was in. Yes. He did Mountain Men with uh, Brian yeah. Keith, who, of course, played my uncle in uh, Family Affair, who was another who, who could be very intimidating himself. Right. But he loved kids and he loved a uh, teenager. He loved his faux family. He loved his real family even though he got a divorce the second <laughs> year of family affair. But he loved children very, very much. Well, I'm not sure about him. I can honestly say I'm divorced, but I can say me and my ex-wife are friends. It took us a couple of years to get there, but you know, we had a life, we have a lifetime commitment. We got kids together. So, you know, mm -hmm. we don't have a choice. Right. So yeah. She's still, you know, we're still there for the like when my mom passed away, she came over, you know, that type of thing. We're right. still friends. So it's I think good, maybe, I think, yeah. It's good to have a relationship like that. My brother is divorced and he sees his wife more than, you know, he starts to date these women and he's, and he says, oh, well, I have to go to Christmas with, with my wife, his ex-wife. <laughs> <laughs> so he spends the holidays. I mean, they've been divorced for 20 years. And he, you know, he's still, you know, there and they're still friends. And they have two kids that are in their forties now that, uh, you know, they, that they share. Yes. Well, you've got a son. You you know that they'll admit that when they turn 18, it's all over. No, no. <laughs> My son le never left the house and he went away to college for about six months, but then he was back. And not only had he never left the nest, he invited a chick to come live with us oh, no. in the nest uh, 10 years ago. And she's still here. I call her my daughter in love because they're, you know, but, but here they are. I, and I like that. It's a nice family affair. It is. It is. Well, recently you starred in a movie called Yellowbird. Uh -huh. Very good movie. I watched it yesterday. You played an aging mother who apparently has dementia in the show. And which is very poignant to me because, you know, I'm, I'm so paranoid of Alzheimer's. I just really am. I'm just that, you know, cancer scares me. The other scary, but that one really scares me. And Yellowbird kind of 
you know, went to there a little bit in a, in a light way. You didn't, it wasn't a, a intense, deep, serious. Uh, what was it like playing that role? Well, my mom had, had Alzheimer's. So I had, you know, firsthand experience with it. And it's, it's really sad. And my character, I think, are in the first kinds of throes of dementia. And so there are times when, um, you know, I mean, I'm doing this now. And I thought, oh, yeah, is this, is this my early, early dementia in my real life? And I said, where did I put my keys? Where did I put my keys? And I have Alexa, the little box. Yes. Like, Alexa, find my phone. Because I always put my phone down. I can't find it. Me too. <laughs> okay, now, see, I, she heard me. She, she downstairs. Did. She heard it. I, I gotta she watch. My phone. She makes. She makes it ring. Okay. Thank you, Alexa. Off, off, Alexa. Thank you. Thank you. From an unknown caller. <laughs> That's Alexa. Okay. Thank you. Um. Alexa, hang up. She's still going. Tell her Alexa stop. Oh, she heard you. Okay. <laughs> I get that too all the time. That's how I know that Alexa stop makes her stop. <laughs> yes. Um, so th those types of things. But my mom, you know, she would forget things. And uh, but then there were periods of lucidity. And I remember going out with her to a luncheon. And uh, we're, we're sitting and, and we're talking. And all of a sudden, she's, I don't know where I've been. It's just, I, I, I'm back. I, I was someplace else. And so I use that. And then when my character, Rachel Rush, you know, she gets it in her head, she's going to do something that uh, she had always wanted to do. And I don't want to be a spoiler, but it was like my mother. And I use this actually in the movie. There was when my mother was an RN. And so this one day, you know, she, she forged through all of her things. She was a hoarder as am I. That's why we only see this part of my office. Um, and she found her nurse's uniform and her pin and her hat, and she was all set to, to go out and, and go to the hospital or she would wander around. That's what happens, unfortunately, with Alzheimer's patients. They, if they get out, then they wander, then they get lost and you can't find them. So there, there are a lot of, um, sad things, but I think that there are inroads coming through the Alzheimer's foundation and, uh, different things that are being, found out every day, just like I'm sure as, you know, necrotic uh, fasciitis, I don't know if I yes. said that correctly, um, but each day, you know, inroads for, for cancer or, or that, or, you know, Alzheimer's. So. Well, I, uh, when I was in high school, I took, uh, we had like a tech school you could go to for half a day. Mm -hmm. And I went to that for nursing. So doing that, uh, I ended up with a job at, uh, place here for Alzheimer's oh people affected with Alzheimer's and it, it was very interesting it, it was it was very hard to watch to see is and, and to, to be a loved one like you where I just can't even imagine so your mother did not have it no luckily she did not no my mother passed away at COPD oh yeah my and really my, good friend Paul Peterson has that you know Paul yes yes and then my uh, father is still alive. He'll be 83 in July. Hmm. Well, you're just a kid, Tim. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I just turned 51. I'm still a kid. <laughs> yeah, you are. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Well, you started many hit shows through the 60s, like The Rifleman, The Bing Crosby Show, Ben Casey, and The Patty Duke Show, which I watched as a kid, of course, in reruns, but I did watch all of those shows. Um, but it was 1966 you landed the role of Sissy Patterson Davis in Family Affair, which was the first series in color. Yes, and just in case people forgot that, we had a big kaleidoscope going with, with all the colors. Hey, see all these beautiful colors? You're watching this in color now. We were like the first show, and we're in color. So, And I, I do remember, I remember watching Family Affair as a kid, like I said, in reruns. I can't really tell you much about it, but, you know, I watched all of those shows. W. Gillis, Patty Dude. Uh, you know, I loved all those shows as a kid growing up. Well, of course, we only had three channels, too, but... Uh, yes. But still, I, I loved all those old shows. Um, did you have to audition for that role? Oh, yes. Um, and as you said, I had had a lot of experience guest starring on, on like, The Rifleman. And I played Patty Duke's uh, friend, Monica, in the yes. Patty Duke show. Just recently, there, well, there was a new channel that started called Classic Reruns TV. And... Um, they were doing a marathon, the Patty Duke show. So I hosted that marathon for them. They have recently just changed their name to NOST, N-O-S-T, which is short for nostalgia. And that debuted in on April the 3rd. And I'm going to like host for them like a TCM thing where I'll introduce a classic movie because it changed from just classic television to classic movies and TV. Right as well as original programming, which is a rarity and something special about uh, a network. So I did um, audition for that, uh, for, for Family Affair. And as I say, I had a lot of experience beforehand. Now, the thing was, I was going to UCLA. And um, also at that time, I had dark hair and my dark eyes. And uh, that's what allowed me to play a slave in the Ten Commandments. Right. Indians, of <laughs> Cochise, and Travels of Jamie McPeter. I played Indians before. That was, you know, you shouldn't, you have to have an Indian to play an Indian. But that wasn't so true, like in the 50s. Anyway, so I'm at the sorority. I get a call from my mom. She says, oh, you have an audition for a television series. They've already cast it. They've already sold it. But they need a teenage sister for their family. And I said, oh, okay. And uh, she said, here's the thing. Uh, we have to go over to the producer's office uh, this afternoon and they want someone with blonde hair. I said, oh. And I said, but mom, my hair's brown and dark. And she says, I know, I know. She says, I have an idea. I said, what? She says, there's this stuff called streaks and tips and you spray it on your hair and then it turns your hair a different color like instantly I said okay bring it so she comes over to the sorority she sprays my hair I asked her uh, sorority sister I was a pie fi she says do you have any blonde makeup she gives me the blonde makeup I put on actually the same color of a, of a sweater though and a skirt we go over there I'm having a conversation with the producer and we're chatting I thought we we're having a nice time and then he says what's the matter with your hair oh no my hair and he says yeah, it's turning green. I said, oh, well, must be that light coming in. Um, so we laughed about it. <laughs> and my hair was like a helmet to begin with. It was just like Goldfinger with this. <laughs> so my agent says, okay, they, they really like you. He says, want you to do a screen test 
go to Max Factor, which is now the Hollywood Museum, and get a blonde wig, and uh, then go to Western customers, get, you know, uh, like a young looking dress. Okay. So I turn up in this long blonde wig with this blue and white check dress looking like something out of Alice in Wonderland. And I do the, I do the screen test. And, uh, and then I'm looking around the, the set. They were already shooting the pilot. The next day, my Asian colleague says, well, you got the part. And I says, you're kidding. She says, nope, you're going to play the teenage uh, uh, daughter. No, not the daughter, but the teenage uh, sibling, Sissy. And I said, well, that's great. She said, there is a caveat. I said, what? She said, they want you never to wear that wig or never wear that dress again. I said, <laughs> and that was the audition for Family Affair. Oh, wow. And before I forget, I want to let everybody know that you can find Yellowbird on Tubi, I believe, and it's on Amazon. And while I'm talking about it, you can also still catch Family Affair on Pluto, Peacock, Amazon, YouTube, Tubi, many others. Um, yes. I sometimes forget to plug that. I apologize for that. Well, thank you for plugging that, Tim. And it has uh, Yellowbird on uh, Amazon.prime. We had a theatrical release up in Orinda, California. And I went to the Orinda Theater and did a meet and greet. And we showed the, showed the film. And that, that was really nice. And uh, but yeah, Amazon Prime, it has won four best picture uh, awards yeah. from four different film festivals. So I urge people to to see it and tune in and then write a review. Not if you don't like it. But <laughs> <laughs> if you don't uh, like it, you're going to give it five stars. <laughs> absolutely. And you can find it on Voodoo because that's where I watched it yesterday. Was uh, yes. And Momitu, which is another uh, uh, network or platform that you can watch it on. Yes. Now we'll get back to Family Affair. Um, do you remember your first day on the set? Um, uh, probably not. Uh, <laughs> oh, yes, I do. Yes, I remember my first day and uh, they were almost finished shooting with, with the pilot. And then the Jody uh, came came in, the little John, Jody Whitaker, Johnny Whitaker played Jody. And then I was to come in. And I remember uh, I had this blue coat on and being such a method actress as I am, I'm standing behind the door thinking, oh, now what it would be like if here I was this orphan, my parents had died. I don't know where I'm going and what is this big city because I was from Indiana and not knowing what I was going to uh, become into. And then the door opens and then I see my my little brother and sister. And then that was, you know, really a true moment, you know, because I had imagined that and put myself in that, you know, kind of, of setting and uh, then had run in. Well, Anissa and Johnny both played. They were perfect for those roles at that age. I mean, uh, I'm just astounded that, you know, what it would be like to work with Brian Keith and Sebastian Cabot. Well, Brian was such a wonderful actor. And he was nominated. He would have been one of the biggest stars in Hollywood, but he hated publicity. He didn't like to do interviews. He didn't like his picture taken. He he valued his privacy. And he was a tough guy. I mean, even though his parents were in vaudeville and he was raised in the entertainment business, he was a Marine and he was a boxing champion. So he was he had this wonderful duality of being this real macho guy with just a sensitive heart and sensitivity. 
So it was it was a fabulous combination. And he was a wonderful actor. He was very much um, of a method, you know, actor and moment to moment. Uh, and so he would just feel it and do it and maybe not say all the lines exactly right, but say them the way he would say them. Right. Ashton, on the other hand, was this uh, fellow from England who had really not taken any kind of drama lessons, but he was a limousine driver and he drove a limousine that had an uh, English actor uh, star in it. So he learned a lot and he left school at like at 16. Uh, but that was, he wanted to follow his passion, but he had trouble learning his lines. So he would study them, study them, study them, study them. And he'd go over and over with the dialogue coach to make sure he said everything exactly precisely right. So you had this wonderful contrast of actors, you know, and was saying, yeah, yeah. And, and he'll say, what, what are we doing today? He says, oh, is this it? And this is script. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, all right, go on, go and do it. And then Sebastian comes in, you know, with the way his character and, and the way that he actually pronounced things so, so beautifully. And so he had a great contrast. But both of them loved kids and had really a wonderful kind of love for things and, and sensitivity. That sounds great. Um, you also returned to the role of Sissy in 2020 in Aunt Sissy. What was that like? Oh, that's that's great. And uh, it's like the, the same thing, only instead of Uncle Bill, there's Aunt Sissy. And I'm a, an actress in Hollywood and just about to retire and finally, you know, get some relaxation and, and go to Bermuda and the islands. And I get the knock on the door and uh, they they two teenagers are standing there. Says, Aunt Sissy? <laughs> Yes, Aunt Sissy. I said, Aunt Sissy? And I, <laughs> I do a fall. That's the beginning. <laughs> it goes on from there. That is awesome. That is so cool. I wish it had gone on more, but unfortunately. Now, I'm just going to touch on this because I know we're short on time. Uh, you did a lot of voiceover. I just want to say thank you from all my heart because you play voiceover one of my most favorite characters, Firestar. Uh on Spider-Man. That was one of my most favorite characters as a kid growing up. But I want to get into your books before we before we run out of time, because you've, you've authored five books uh, and co-authored many more. Uh, I've got four of them, The Family Affair Cookbook, Ex-Child Stars, Where They Are Now, Family Affair Scrapbook, and Surviving Sissy, A Family Affair, Life in Hollywood, <clears throat> which they can all be found on Amazon and bookstores, most all bookstores. I Dude, uh, I did. Uh, I don't read a lot, so I did the the audio book. I listened to uh, Sissy today. Ah, fabulous book! Fabulous book. Um, I mean, one of your, one of my favorite ones was stories in the book was when you were talking about the first time you smoked a cigarette. Okay, <laughs> I'm going to show the pictures, but if you don't mind sharing that with everybody. Oh, when I was in high school. Yes, I, it just got me laughing when it, you were talking about smoking for the first time. <laughs> yes, well, yes, we, we were such rebels in high school. And as a matter of fact, in, in two weeks, I'm going to my high school reunion. And I'm not going to say what year it is, but we, we thought that we were really, you know, cool. So we were, we were sitting on my friend Ellen's curb 
And uh, so I said, okay, I'll have a cigarette. And so I had a cigarette and I probably passed out. Oh, no. <laughs> I took one, I, I took one puff and then I was, I was gone. Um, but actually later on, it reminds me, I tried it in college and, um, and so I started smoking, we, we would play bridge until way in the morning. And I met my future husband and uh, at a tennis tournament and our first date, we went to this beautiful restaurant on uh, Sunset Boulevard and I pull out my cigarette and uh, he takes it and he breaks it in two. I said, excuse me. Um, he'd never smoked. He's never done any kind of drugs or anything. We, we drink wine. Uh, we lived in Northern California for a while. How can you not drink wine when you live next to Napa? And uh, but he just he took it and he broke it. He, he kind of stands up for things. But I like that about him. We've been married for 42 years. So well, I guess I'll keep him. <laughs> congrats on that. I just say I'm glad that you didn't pick it up. Um, I am on day 52 of quitting smoking myself. So it's, it's well, good, so good for you. It's good for you. See, you, you need someone to take you and break it. I stopped <laughs> smoking after that. You know? That's what I'm glad you didn't pick it up because this has been yeah. one of the hardest things ever to do. Yeah. At this point where I'm at now, it's not that hard now. It's just certain times, you know, then I just got well, because it becomes a habit. I think you associate things with certain times. It's just like brushing your teeth, which is good for you, but you know, it's it's a habit. Right. And smoking you you associate with, you know, maybe a beer or you know, having a drink or or just smoking when you're tense, you know, but you if you can get out of that particular environment, then that I think helps you break a particular habit. Well, that's what I say. I'm glad you Andy hips from Gabby. Right. I'm glad you didn't start because I'd hate to see you have to stop. I'd hate to see anybody have to go through that. <laughs> yes. Well, I think you're doing a very good job. Day 52. Good for you. Thank you. Now, another book you did, you did a cookbook. Do you enjoy cooking? Because I know some oh, of those I, recipes are your own personal recipes. I, I love to cook. I did the family affair cookbook and holiday recipes for a family affair. This uh, year will be coming out TV dinners, TV um, cookbook. So I do. And my son is a fabulous, fabulous cook. Um, and so we, his, his, uh, my daughter in love is, is vegetarian. So they have kind of gone the vegetarian route, but he's a pescatarian. So he'll have fish and all of that. But okay. my husband and I are omnivores and we'll eat anything. <laughs> you know, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. So, so but I, I love to cook all kinds of things, everything. I respect everybody's choices, but I am in Kentucky. I come from a beef and chicken farm. So, yeah, I, am, I like my beef. <laughs> oh, we, we do too. Where's the beef? No. <laughs> I don't think yeah, I'll but, get that one, Kathy. I don't think a lot of people <laughs> know what we're talking about there. Right. Well, we well, had uh, Chinese food, I think, last night. And then we're going to have Italian food with meatballs. I said, we, we have really an international cooking house here. We, we cook <laughs> all, all countries' foods. I love to cook too, but I am not a healthy cook. <laughs> oh, I'm, I, a, I'm a country cook. I live in Kentucky. I mean, you know, 
Fried chicken. <laughs> barbecue. The barbecue. I've been to Owensboro. And, barbecue. And loved, yeah, I love the barbecue in Owensboro. Mutton is some of the best food. People just don't know what they're missing. They need, they need to come to Owensboro and try some mutton. They really do. I just looked up a, a recipe for smoked um, pork hock, which I, I haven't had. But it's okay, three hours, and then you you know, you know cook it, and then with some beans or sauerkraut. Right. Part of my heritage is Austrian, so it's a real German okay. kind of, of of cooking with the with the ham hock or the pork hock. This particular one is a pork hock with beans or sauerkraut. Oh, I love me some uh, cook some beans in a crock pot with a ham hock all day. <laughs> yeah, supper right there, some fried potatoes. Right. Yes. <laughs> Same exactly. pantry. I'm not a healthy cook. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got it. You know, you can eat healthy one day and then you can have a little pork hock the next day and you can have a salad the next day. I mean, I think it's a good combination. I think anything that's all that way is, is maybe not good for you, but no. you, it, you know. Oh, no, I incorporate like, like I have uh, either a salad, some sort of salad or greens every night. I, you know, I always make sure I have two vegetables. Whether, you know, it doesn't matter what it is. I always make sure I have two healthy vegetables, not fried. Yeah. I don't consider well, I that. I think that's good. You look great. You look Thank you. okay, you know. Thank you. Kathy, I've got so much I wanted to cover, but I, I will run out of time. I'm gonna, I would love to have you come back sometime if you would, because you are such a delight. Sure. I'd like to do that. And you can follow everything I'm doing. I have all my appearance kind of schedule set up. Maybe we're going to have to add Owensboro for, so I can do a Christmas memory there at River Park Absolutely. You know, in December. But you, people can find it all on my um, uh, my website, which is kathygarver.com. And I have a, um, a newsletter and it's published every month so people can find out what I'm doing. And if I'm in your town, I'd love to see you all and, and meet you. And, and uh, I'll, I'll meet you again, I know, Tim. Absolutely. And I was going to say, all of her links are in the description of this video right here. The link to her social medias, the link to her uh, page where you can find out everything. And um, you can find Kathy's book on Amazon most bookstores. But you can also order the book off of her website with an autograph. The, the shipping times vary on that. But she's got some awesome, awesome items other than just books. She's got awesome items on that website that that she's got up for everybody. I want to I want to thank you, Kathy, for being here. If you would wait back in the uh, waiting room for just a moment, I'll be right back there. OK, thank you so much. I'd like to thank Kathy Garver for being here today. I'd like to thank the Necrotizing Fasciitis for sponsoring our show. Please visit www.necfasci.org for more information on Necrotizing Fasciitis. Also, please uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel. And if you like this episode, please hit the like button. Till next time, please be kind to one another and have a great day.